the New South Wales Country Hour with Michael Condon on ABC Radio New South Wales. Yes, indeed. We'll leave the cricket there at the lunch break in the cricket and uh, back in about half an hour. And on the program today, we're going to look at some of the wild weather that's been around the state and a bit of damage, but uh, overall the dairy farmers in the southeast in particular are welcoming the wet stuff. And uh, we'll also hear more about uh, the recruitment of vets in rural areas as well. That's all coming up on the program. But before we do anything else, let's get uh, the latest on the weather and Chris Webb's at the Bureau. Good afternoon. G'day, Michael. So we've had some wild weather over the Christmas period, or, or indeed, and uh, as we said, you know, hundreds of millimetres here and there and flooding and you name it, uh, trees down and uh, damage to roads and infrastructure and things like that. But uh, I guess that's, um, that, is, that, is that all in the past now? Are we looking forward to a <laughs> to less tumultuous weather? Yeah, that's the general trend, at least for a, a few days beyond today. Um, but yeah, the system that brought that big weather, uh, sort of an upper level low, is still hanging about in a weakened form over southeastern New South Wales. Um, it's expected to move off the coast tonight and a little surface low pressure system to move away with it tomorrow. Um, but yeah, this afternoon and early evening still looks like it'll be a pretty active time for showers and thunderstorms. Um, about the southeastern quarter to third of the state. So coast and ranges south from the Hunter um, are already sh- showing some signs of uh, quite widespread shower and storm activity and a couple of those could turn out to be severe uh, with, uh, once again, the possibility of large hail, damaging winds and localised heavy rain. We don't think there'll be quite as many uh, of those big severe storms today compared to the last couple and they probably won't be quite as intense. But um, yeah, a couple of them are getting going. Uh, there's one Southern Highlands, there's uh, something up near the entrance and some back on the ranges south of Bathurst so, and it's early in the afternoon. So yeah, it's not quite over yet. Mm. There's also the chance for shower or thunderstorm uh, up near the border in the far northeast, the Sarpo. But yeah, generally through the west, um, it's uh, cleared away today, uh, the western half of the state. Temperature-wise, nothing too special to report. In fact, it's, it's uh, warmest up near the north coast with Kempsey, 33 degrees, 33 at Evans Head as well. And since 9 a.m., uh, since 9 a.m. 16 millimetres at a spot called Pomeroy, just west of Goulburn, and 9 millimetres at Currajong Heights, um, a couple of range, the highest rainfall totals on the bureau's gauges. Mm, okay, so it it is uh, it is dissipating to some degree. Although there yeah. are going to be a few hot spots, but in the next few days or so, or the next day or yep. so, I suppose. Um, and in in terms of the inland, what are we expecting there? Yeah, uh, tomorrow there's sort of um, the little low that I mentioned. Uh, over the Tasman will move away and allow just a weak high-pressure ridge to move across the inland or cover most of New South Wales. So uh, it seems like a much more settled day. Um, there could just be the, a very isolated shower and thunderstorm about the southeast and later about the far southwest of the state, but nothing severe expected. Um, just as the next system, it looks like a weaker system, uh, approaches. And then that system is expected just to spread ac- across um, central and northern New South Wales as well during Friday with just really isolated showers and storms. And at this stage, nothing you know sort of particularly severe expected, but yeah, not not dry. So still um, 
some showers and storms about just very localised on Friday and heating up in the north. There's a lot of hot air back over South Australia and WA moving into Queensland in the next couple of days. But it looks like it mostly dodges um, New South Wales apart from sort of the far northern inland. Um, you know, places right up north of Burke, say Dubara, probably scraping up to near 40 degrees on Friday. But yeah, um, the, another trough seems to develop across the weekend and move to the northeast or, or sort of intensify across the weekend. Uh, and, and with the focus becoming the northeast, both for Saturday and Sunday for some showers and thunderstorms. Could be something severe up there, even about the ranges and western slopes. Um, but yeah, most of the inland, uh, you know, if you take away that northeast corner, sort of the northeast quarter or third or so of the state, the remainder of it will be dry. Uh, but there'll be southerly flowing, so it won't be particularly hot until early in the new week where it looks as though that hot air you know, from the continent um, comes down into western New South Wales. So, yeah, it looks like another bout of possibly severe storms sort of starting on the weekend up in the northeast, but not as intense as what we've seen uh, over the last couple of days by the looks of things. Right, yeah, that was my question. Are we, are we looking at a, a, a carbon copy or it won't be as severe? It doesn't look like it, it'll be severe. Can't rule them out, mm. you know, just the... The odd severe one round, around, uh, but probably more isolated, fewer of them, um, but yeah, more isolated. It, at this stage, it's a, it's a point of interest. That, that could be a different story the other side of the border, you know, up into Queensland. It, it right, so they be, might cop another lot there. Yeah, they might, mm. yeah. But yeah, look, I'm... Yeah, I won't comment on that part of the world. <laughs> but yeah, it looks as though... The, well, you can, <laughs> if you like. <laughs> the, the, the instability and the unsettled weather is not going anywhere fast by the looks of things because mm. it, it seems like it uh, hangs around into the early part of the new week. Um, so it's, that's a long way out, but hangs around in New South Wales, I mean. So yeah, it, it's hard to know exactly... Well, you know, there's no sort of obvious clearing trend. Mm. We may still have some severe storms lurking around for several days into the new week, but they'll be very hit and miss, of course. Okay, Chris, uh, appreciate your time. Thanks for that. And you had to wait around there for the cricket, but you you heard, you know, what <laughs> excitement at the end there as well. So. I did. I enjoyed the call, actually, Michael. It was a good one. All right, Chris, thanks for that. Chris Webb at the Bureau there. It's uh, coming up to 13 minutes to one, 12 minutes to one here on the Country Hour in the cricket. Well, talking about the weather and uh, two lots of flooding in the space of just over a month and damage to fences and waterways and also some damage to uh, some of the paddocks as well. They haven't dampened the spirits, the, uh, spirits rather, for southeast dairy farmers this Christmas. Tony Allen's a dairy farmer at Cabago who says the rain was welcome because the preceding several months were desperately dry and farmers uh, were bringing in huge amounts of hay to keep the milk production up. I asked Tony Allen if they had seen too much rain. You're reluctant to um, say anything in, ter in terms of wanting it to stop because... We've just been through seven, eight months of significantly dry weather where we couldn't get a drop of rain and suddenly, um, you know, nature, nature nature takes over and you have this magnificent replenishment of the soils and and the dams are nicely full now and, you know, the, uh, the country's turned from basically a desert into an oasis almost overnight and it's, uh, it's breathtaking to look out on your paddocks and, and uh, especially with the sun in, in, at certain 
times of the day when the sun um, just shines upon the grass. It's a magnificent sight. Indeed. And uh, so you had a, a, a huge dump of rain, over 300 millimetres about a month ago, and then this last lot. Yes, yes. We had uh, 14 inches in the old terminology, about 350 mils in the, in the, in the, in the big hit. And uh, that really was uh, very damaging. It was a very nasty flood, a very quick flood, and uh, did a lot of damage in, in, in just in our Bigger Valley Shire. We estimate upwards of $15 million of public damage uh, without damage around the farms. And, and I know farmers here who have gone out and replenished and replaced fences along waterways and streams, and now they're out again today replacing those fences again. So it has its downside from that point of view, but the overall benefit is, 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 is you just can't, there's no, you can't, you can't value the benefit of rain, Michael. Yeah, so you, so you didn't sort of have um, whole uh, whole paddocks washed away and pasture washed oh, away. No, 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 no. The, I'm a great believer in nature, Michael. When the first lot of rain came, prior to that we had uh, some showers and then we had a little storm and another shower and it sort of softened the ground and got the grass started. And then you get the big fall, which comes in to really replenish the soil, the the, the soil and, and fill your dams but um, um, I've seen it before too it, it doesn't just the rain just doesn't come bang at, at one hit it has a, there's a there's a there's a lead-in period and then um, and then of course what happens after that uh, no one can really tell we've had the second fall as you say but and you can't predict that but um, the, the way nature looks after itself is, is quite phenomenal. So it looks like you'll get a bit of a reprieve for a while and um, this rain will probably set up the dairy farmers and, and the graziers in the region for, what, a few months? Oh, absolutely, yes. It's, it's a great relief and uh, there's been humongous amounts of hay come into the area during that, uh, during that winter, early, early spring period to, to keep the cows and anti-deep beef stock up and, uh, up and alive and, and milking, milking uh, as well. But um, now, now of course, you can kick back and, and just enjoy some enjoy enjoy what nature provides, Michael. A bit of damage, but uh, nothing really to uh, to nothing unexpected, I suppose, considering the amount of rain we saw. No, no, it, it to be look, look mostly nothing like in seventy in the seventy one flood, uh, the area lost I think uh, something like fifty bridges. Mm. Was, that was that was twenty one inches over. We had to uh, work it out five hundred mils. Uh, basically, in one night, that was a that was the biggest flood, uh, uh, probably all not of all time, but certainly one of the biggest floods of all time. This flood was not nearly as as um, big as that, but the um, the amount of water that went down the rivers and the, and the rivers and streams have changed over the years. Some are deeper and some are more shallow, so the water courses have changed. But um, it, you know, when you get three and a hundred, three three hundred, three hundred fifty mils in in, um, in, a, in a day or so, it's, it's a significant amount of water. And it all has to get away. You see, it all, it all. Unfortunately, it's all flying back to the sea. Yeah, back to the sea. Yeah, yeah back to the sea. Yeah, and we, you know, it's a magnificent resource that we uh, basically just see one day and wave tada to it and, and hope that it comes again. You see, but I can't see the benefit of all that on our farm. And I know a lot of the farmers in the area have all learned over the years to put in significant dams and and hold water on the farm for um, for all sorts of uses. But you only you only catch it once and then. Once the dams are full, they, they flow over and gather, and, and, and they, 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 you know, replenish the streams and what have you. But it's an interesting um, issue with um, with the way nature provides, and then um, then you get a you get a long period of dry, and then the soil has a real rest, and then suddenly you get the rain, and the benefit of that rest 
is manifest itself in a beautiful, beautiful layer of grass. You see, so it's quite interesting, isn't it? Tony Allen, who's a dairy farmer at Cabago there. You're listening to the Country Hour in the lunch break in the cricket and it's uh, coming up to seven minutes to one. ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. The Country Hour on ABC Radio New South Wales. Well, many rural communities are struggling with access to vet services. It's been the subject of a parliamentary inquiry in New South Wales, which has heard about the challenges of recruiting vets to regional areas and keeping them when many are overworked and some are burnt out. As Emily Doak reports, there's some success stories, though, of vets who've swapped city life to treat animals in the bush. At a farm in southern New South Wales, veterinarian Michelle Noga is peering intently into a horse's mouth, taking note of its teeth. And your canines have been worn down. Vets are in short supply here, especially those with specialist skills like equine dentistry, and Michelle can travel thousands of kilometres a week to and from her home base of Griffith. But it's not just horses she's treating. Every day is different. So I could work with alpaca yesterday, um, a chicken the day before horses today, it could be the zoo tomorrow, you never get bored, you're always learning and the lack of being able to I guess refer easily like in the cities means you're doing a lot more for people and their animals than you do in the city. In looking at the work that you do, what do you enjoy most about it? At the people side, so I've got some really lovely regular clients, I've got clients who are in their 70s and 80s who will have a towel on the table, a cup of coffee and tea, they remember how I like it. It's just the relationships you build is really different. Growing up in Sydney, Michelle always wanted to work as a vet and was lured to the region by love. I've always wanted to work regionally. Um, I had planned to go in northern New South Wales, but actually met my now husband in my final year. So he's a farmer in Griffith and it was a no-brainer just to move and be part of this community. She says working in the bush has many advantages to practising in the city. I think you learn a lot more. I've got friends who graduated from university went to a city clinic and they still hadn't done a desexing in a year or they hadn't net done a cesarean um, whereas in the country you get thrown in the deep end straight up you learn skills that you don't learn in the city gunshot wounds for example you never get to see snake bites that sort of thing are things that i guess day-to-day in country practice that you don't get to manage in the city i think the skills are better developed and quicker another city-born vet sophia johnson wanted to work with livestock and moved to the small town of Daniloquin during the pandemic. For better or worse, COVID, I think, really taught a lot of people how to stay connected, um, especially in the virtual age. So for me, yes, I was moving to somewhere rural, but, you know, gosh, I don't miss that traffic. I don't miss the cost of living. For me, it's been a really smooth transition. These two are in a minority. The Australian Veterinary Association says more than 60% of vets registered in New South Wales work in the city, 30% in inner regional areas and just 8% in rural and remote areas. A New South Wales parliamentary inquiry is examining the workforce shortage and its chairman, Mark Benassiak, says recruiting vets to the country is a key issue. The less vets are out there, the more pressure it places on those vets that are are there already. The tyranny of distance and the, the amount of travel that they had to do to get across, I guess, their their range places extra pressure on them, which then obviously increases the risk of burnout for those existing veterinarians that we do have. 
He says opportunities to entice veterinary graduates to practice in rural areas are being explored. I think one of the big things that's come through quite strongly is the need for hex relief and some sort of incentive uh, where if you do some time out in, in rural and regional New South Wales that you do get a, a certain percentage uh, deducted from from your hex. APM Animal Health is a major provider of veterinary services in regional Australia, with 78 clinics across five states and employing more than 330 vets. Managing Director Chris Richards says the business has had to adapt to offer new graduates the career development and lifestyle available in the city. Particularly uh, younger vets are very focused on not being burnt out, have a high focus on ensuring they have a good work-life balance. You know, that also involves our, you know, our flexible workplace programs where we currently have over 80% of our vets on such a program where they're working four-day weeks or um, nine-day fortnights. New South Wales Farmers Association is calling for greater partnerships between government and private vets in rural areas to make practices more sustainable. Association member and vet Robin Alders says it will also be important in managing animal disease outbreaks. It is certainly nationally recognised that um, if there's an emergency response and they have to have a surge in workforce that there will be contracts issued to private vets. But we'd like to suggest that this be an ongoing situation so that the, the private practitioners know that they've got a contract, they'll have a certain income each year. In terms of recruitment, she believes there should be more support for farm kids to be able to get into veterinary courses. I think the short term may well be looking at special entrance requirements to allow students from rural areas that are clearly extremely intelligent and that did reasonably well in their ATAR but demonstrate that commitment to coming back to rural areas, maybe setting aside a couple of places for them each year. Back in southern New South Wales, Sophia Johnson has this message for vets about working in the regions. There's so much that can be done these days in our country towns and some of these vet clinics are even better equipped than most city clinics. I do think as well that People will think that the country is the sticks and if you're not used to it then I think that there's this really big um, potentially misconception that you know country towns are potentially a bit backward or poorly resourced or you know not able to get that quality of life and it's not true I mean we've got the internet these days we've got really good you know connectivity with our peers in other um, cities and towns it's really not the same transition it was probably even 10 years ago uh, so I think Give it a go. You know, what's the worst that can happen? You get that experience and you've got some stories to tell at the pub, maybe. Sophia Johnson, a vet from southern New South Wales, ending that report from Emily Doak. You're listening to The Country Hour.